Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Summer has arrived and environmental allergies and allergic rhinitis have hit communities across the country. Today, we're exploring strategies to manage allergies, and we're going to learn about allergen immunotherapy for allergic disease with two experts. We're joined by FACT Medical Board Advisory Member and past president of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, Dr. Todd Marr, and Mr. Dan Comerford, Director of Marketing at ALK. Before we start today's show, I just want to take a moment to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for their kind sponsorship and for their support throughout the years. Welcome, Dr. Marr and Mr. Cumberford. We're delighted to host you two on the Facts Roundtable podcast to discuss a topic that has so many of us not feeling very well this season. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Wonderful. Well, we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to have each of you share your background with our listeners. So, Dr. Marr, can you start us off? Sure. So, I'm a pediatric allergist immunologist at Gunderson Health System in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I am a member of the American College of Allergy. I'm past president of the College of Allergy. I'm very active in the Academy of Pediatrics, the Academy of Allergy, and I'm a dad of a person with food allergies. My son has peanut and wheat allergy. But I've been doing this for over 30 years. I like it. And allergies, from the standpoint of what we're going to talk about today, is the bread and butter of an allergist. It's basically allergic rhinitis, and it's what we see a lot of. So I think it's great to be talking about this. Thank you so much. This is going to be a wonderful podcast. I know our listeners are going to be very happy. So now, Mr. Comerford, how about you? Share your background with us. Sure. Hi, Caroline. And hello, it's a pleasure to be a part of the podcast today. I work with a company called ALK. We're a global healthcare company that's focused in the diagnosis and treatment of allergies. And much like the physicians like Dr. Marr, I mean, really, our goal is to really try to improve the lives of patients who are dealing with allergies. If you or a family member of yours has visited an allergist and maybe had a a scratch test to try and diagnose an allergy or have been on allergy shots where you're getting injections of different allergens, there's a pretty good chance that that might have been ALK products that are a part of that. Personally, I live in New Jersey and my job specifically with ALK is marketing. And that just means I'm focused on building education for consumers, patients, and for physicians to help make them aware of our products and what they do and how they can help people. Thank you for being with us here today. Dr. Marr, I'm going to turn to you here. Back in the day, my parents used to tell me I had hay fever. And it wasn't until I adult that I actually heard the term environmental allergies. So can you explain to our listeners what precisely environmental allergies are compared to hay fever? Are they the same thing? 
That's a great question. It's something we hear a lot of, Caroline. It's really hay fever basically means allergic rhinitis. And it's an old term that comes from the fact that when people were out haying, they would get runny nose and congestion and, and they got the term hay fever. It has nothing to do with hay. During that time, you're stirring up a lot of molds, you're stirring up a lot of pollens, but it's basically allergic rhinitis, which is the runny nose, the itchy eyes, the itchy nose, the congestion, the sneezing, the sinus pressure. So that's hay fever or allergic rhinitis. Now, environmental allergens just basically are environmental allergies usually refers to people saying, I have an allergy to something in the environment. Tree pollen would be a good example. In Wisconsin, that's April, May. It varies depending on where you live. So there's tree pollen, there's grass pollen, there's ragweed, there's weed, there's dust mite, there's mold. There's dog and cat allergies, which would be environmental allergies because they're out in the environment. So that's a little bit more honed in about talking about what causes your allergies, things in the environment. Most of us would refer to it as allergic rhinitis, but I think hay fever and allergic rhinitis are interchangeable for most people. So now just taking that term allergic rhinitis, can you go ahead and bring us right through what that is and then what to do if you suspect you have it? All right. And that's good. For a lot of people, it's really knowing how to differentiate a cold from allergies. So basically, it's runny nose, congestion, sneezing, and some sinus pressure. Well, that can be both a cold or allergies. With allergies, though, it's an allergic response to those outdoor-indoor allergens or environmental allergies we just talked about. But you can add in itchy eyes, itchy nose, and you don't get a fever. You can feel bad with allergies, just like you do with a cold. It can affect your performance at work and at school. We've got good studies looking at that. That's why we want treatments for people. But the general symptoms of hay fever, allergic rhinitis, runny nose, nasal congestion, watery, itchy red eyes, sneezing, coughing, the itchy nose, or some people have an itchiness of their roof or their throat. They can get these allergic shiners under their eyes, this dark blue-colored area under their eyes and a post-nasal drip where it kind of drips down the back of their throat. And then that constant sniffing. But then all of that can lead to fatigue and tiredness and the things that can actually be quite impactful for some people. So again, the common cold, three to seven days. Allergies, your allergy season, which could be months. So basically, though, that helps you differentiate the two. If it's going beyond a few days, if you have a fever with it and it's short, it's more likely a common cold. If no fever and it's progressing beyond a week, maybe you should be thinking allergies and seeing your provider to talk about what could I do about it. And what you, you can do about it is change. When I first got into this business, as I mentioned earlier, I've been doing it 30 years, I'm old, but all the medications were prescription. Now they're almost all over the counter. Antihistamines are what a lot of people turn to. It would be diphenhydramine or Benadryl. The downside with that is it can make you sleepy. So then we move to the second generation, loratadine or Claritin, cetirizine or Zyrtec, fexofenadine or Allegra, uh, Zizol. These are all now over the counter, and most people will try one of those or two of those and see if that helps. The next step then is intranasal steroids. So a lot of people will turn to that, and again, they're over the counter. Nasacort, triamcinolone, and then Flonase or fluticasone are all over the counter we can get them by prescription sometimes also. And so that's a nose spray, and some people don't like that. 
but it actually topically is the best thing because you're treating your nose. And there's a good percentage of people that can do well with just an antihistamine and a nasal steroid in their nose during their seasons. Where the next step comes into is allergy immunotherapy that allergists can do. So that's either subcutaneous immunotherapy or allergy shots, and then there's sublingual immunotherapy or tablets FDA approved. And Dan's going to talk about those later. But that's the next step that we would recommend for somebody who really is spanning a couple seasons or really being miserable. Anybody with real mild allergies who has to use an antihistamine or an intranasal steroid for, oh, a couple months out of the year, they're probably not going to be motivated enough to take that next step. But somebody who's, they have tree, grass, ragweed, weed, and maybe dust mite, yeah, those people are going to be pretty miserable year round and maybe not wanting to take all those medicines and want to take the next step to what can I do to actually prevent this and or stop that? You just described my whole family. I just want you to know Kleenex is a commodity in my home and Flonase as well. This is familiar territory to our family. And I really appreciate you explaining this because you're right. I think a lot of people, sometimes it's hard to tell if it's a cold and they blow it off, but then it's chronic and it does impact your quality of life. So thank you for bringing us through that. As a teenager, I spent what I felt like was just unbearable hours riding the bus to go get my allergy shots several times a week. But now I understand that there are some different types of options are available. Mr. Comerford, if you can actually bring us through allergen immunotherapy and then the sublingual immunotherapy, and if you could explain how these work, and again, when might a patient need to turn to a doctor or head down to their local drugstore? Sure, no problem. It's definitely all these different terms. It's definitely a mouthful. And I think as Dr. Marr was describing too, I mean, there's, there's a lot of options as far as medications go. Most of them are over the counters. Whenever we're talking to consumers, doing market research, one, there seems to still be you know, a lot of confusion around what all these symptomatic medications are. And a lot of times there's a pretty low awareness of what immunotherapy is for allergies. I can give you kind of my layman's overview of it, and Dr. Marr certainly the expert as the clinician. Basically, immunotherapy, I think the big difference of allergy immunotherapy versus a lot of the symptomatic medications that Dr. Marr was talking about is that really with allergy immunotherapy, you're treating the allergies using the patient's own immune system. So you're gradually building up a tolerance to whatever that specific allergen is that's causing the symptoms. So I think the first important thing is that makes immunotherapy different is it's targeted, right? You need to understand what you're actually allergic to for your child. And that's when it's really time to go see an allergy specialist, an allergist who can really give you that diagnosis to understand, is it grass? Is it trees? Is it ragweed? Is it your pet? So that's kind of the first important thing. And then once they determine that, then you can really start doing, if appropriate, you know, you can start doing immunotherapy. And those are those patients maybe who are not getting enough relief from the symptomatic medications or just don't want to take so much medication. So immunotherapy, really a couple of different ways that you can deliver it. First is called subcutaneous immunotherapy. Or it's also called SCIT, S-C-I-T. That's allergy shots is what it would be called. And that would be going to your allergy specialist regularly to have that specific shot given and that there's a dose escalation process as part of that to kind of start at a very low dose, given those injections pretty frequently, maybe on a weekly basis, where you'd receive the injection, spend time in the office to be monitored to make sure that there's no significant 
systemic allergic reaction, anaphylaxis related to that. So that's allergy shots. Then there's also more recently introduced uh, slit tablets. The similarity is the same strategy is that you're exposing your immune system and your body to a very low dose of this allergen to build up a tolerance and, and hopefully reduce symptoms and reduce the need for the symptomatic medications. The difference with the slit tablet is you would take that first dose, you, know, you as the patient or your child would take that first dose in the allergist's office and be monitored for that, again, to make sure that there's no significant reaction. And then the following doses you would take daily at home, a tablet that goes under your tongue once a day at home. So different options for different needs and different lifestyles. The slit tablet could be a good option for someone who you know, is looking for that daily at-home approach versus the, the visits to the allergist office. Thank you. Fabulous explanation. And Dr. Marr, do you have anything to add to that? Well, Dan did a, a very good job. I think it'd be nice for people to understand that both of these, you're talking a limited time period, three to five years. The skit is about five years that we recommend people to be on it. In the old days, people used to start allergy shots and they'd keep them on forever. We're not doing that anymore. All right. It's really a four to five year commitment. Um, what's nice about the skit that's on the market now is it, it's FDA approved in tablet form. And it's usually about a three-year time frame to get to that level of tolerance. And it's been really pretty remarkable for some patients. So I think it's really nice now as an allergist, I've got two options I can offer people. I can basically talk to them about it. We do shared decision-making and involve the patient in the decision as here's what's available. For some, it's starting on sublingual immunotherapy because they're maybe a little hesitant. They don't want to come in every week. They can't make it in. Or we're going to try to see how we can improve what they're available to. That meaning that we have grass, we have ragweed, we have dust mite. So we don't have mold, we don't have cat, we don't have dog yet, and we don't have tree yet in the United States. So I think there's some decision making that has to go into it. And it may be that with sublingual immunotherapy, we're only going to treat a few of their allergens. Uh, subcutaneous immunotherapy, we can usually treat all of it. But maybe that's not the step we're going to take initially. So again, it's really nice to have all these tools in our toolbox. And it's been a wonderful step forward for us. Thank you for bringing to light these really wonderful solutions that we've just never had before. But now let's talk about oral allergy syndrome and what it is and what someone can do if they suspect they have it. Yeah, and this could be quite confusing to a lot of people who are in the food allergy realm because... Oral allergy syndrome, or it's otherwise called pollen fruit syndrome. And basically, it's people who have hay fever or allergic rhinitis, as we talked about, from a pollen, their mouth or throat can get itchy after eating certain things like melon or apples or celeries or a variety of things. And it's the immune system in the mouth not quite understanding, what is this allergen I'm seeing? And part of it looks familiar. I'm going to make maybe a partial little response to it because I'm not sure it's really birch pollen or grass pollen or ragweed pollen, and I just don't want to put you as risk. And so it's your immune system a little overreacting. And again, 50 to 75% of people who are birch pollen can have specific issues. So the proteins confuse the immune system and cause this mini type of reaction. It usually doesn't go on. It usually doesn't go to anaphylaxis. It's kind of a contact allergy for your mucosal membrane is a good way of thinking about it. 
the big key is symptoms appear immediately after eating, and it's usually the raw fruits and vegetables. So most people come in and say, hey, I found out that if I eat an apple, my mouth gets really itchy. If I peel it, it's not too bad, but still kind of itchy. I can have an apple pie. I can have applesauce with no problem whatsoever. So the heating of it and the cooking actually changes the protein a little bit. And so your body interprets that a little bit different. And there's good resources on both the college website and other places that people can look if they think they have this. Birch is really one of those. If people are birch pollen allergic, they have a whole list from the pitted fruits, apples, cherries, things like that, to carrots and celery, and even the nuts like peanut and soybean cross-react. Timothy and orchard grass, it's peaches, it's oranges, it's tomatoes, and it's white potato. Ragweed, it's the melons, cantaloupe, honeydew, watermelon, and you can get into cucumber and, again, zucchini. So knowing this, you realize I don't have a food allergy and I'm not going to die from eating the food, but I'm going to get pretty uncomfortable in my mouth. And treating the allergy to the pollen with immunotherapy actually is the one thing that's been shown to probably help. Antihistamines can mitigate a little bit, but allergy from the standpoint of allergic rhinitis, your symptoms will get better, but the antihistamine nasal steroid won't really help much with the oral allergy syndrome. So over the long haul, what really helps is getting rid of that pollen allergy, and that's what immunotherapy does. As Dan had mentioned, it's getting your own immune system involved in becoming desensitized to what you're allergic to. I mean, that's a great tie-in here for this program because it's a lot of confusion for some people with food allergies. And sometimes you can get burned. I've had some patients who've classically had oral allergy syndrome, but because they're avoiding that food, because it makes them have symptoms, sometimes they can become anaphylactically truly allergic to that. That means they make IgE to that specific food. Thank you for helping us better understand oral allergy syndrome. So now turning to you, Mr. Cumberford, ALK is this global company, and I know they're working on some really exciting projects. So can you introduce our listeners just to some of the innovation that's taking place and help us get to know ALK just a little better? Sure, happy to do that. So ALK, we're a company that's been around for uh, over 100 years, and there are probably about a million patients in the U.S. who are on ALK products in one way or another as far as allergy therapy, whether primarily whether it's allergy shots or those diagnostics that I mentioned. Moving into the future, so ALK is really focused on expanding the offerings around these sublingual products, adding more options to those. And I'll give you a website at the end where you can learn a little bit more about what's available today. But then also it's about working with FDA to expanding age indications, the age that these products can be used for. Because obviously allergic rhinitis and allergy is a big issue for pediatric patients. Two of our tablet products, the slit tablet products, are approved for down to the age of five. And we'll have more in the future. Again, and we can't talk about it now because it's not FDA approved. But when it is, we'll be sure to uh, get the news out there. And also the other focus for us is really to increase the amount of education and really use a lot of digital tools to really reach out to caregivers and patients to make them aware that this option exists, help them get diagnosed. As I mentioned, that's a really important part of this is to really not just know that you have allergic rhinitis, but also that what's actually causing it. So I would encourage you to visit our website. It's called allergyhomefree.com. On that, you'll be able to see you can download an app to really help you or your child understand their allergies, understand 
how their symptoms are progressing over time and track them, track the medications that you've been taking and see how effective they are for you. That website also has a find a doctor tool on it. So you can go there and find a, an allergy specialist that's close to you. If you feel like you need to take that next step and talk to a specialist about allergic rhinitis and maybe explore immunotherapy options. And there's also a quiz on there too, that you can go through and say, all right, based on the symptoms I am or my child is, is dealing with, are we under control or not under control? Is it time to maybe take some more action here? So I'd encourage you to go check that stuff out, get informed, and see if it's time to see a, an allergy specialist like, like Dr. Marr to really talk about other options. That is absolutely wonderful. Allergyhomefree.com. I'll make sure I have that in our notes. These kind of tools are so critical because it is hard to figure out, you know, are we successfully managing this? I mean, as you were speaking, I was even going through my head thinking, am I successfully managing my daughter's allergic rhinitis? You know, is it under control? So very powerful tools. Thank you so much for sharing. So before we wrap up today, is there anything else that each of you would like to share with listeners? We'll start with Dr. Marr. Well, I just want to echo what Dan had said. And I think it's great that we make people more aware that they don't have to suffer. So many people feel like, well, this happens every year and I'm going to be miserable for the next three weeks. Well, no, you don't have to. All right. We can help you out. And uh, there's a website Dan gave you. And there's also acaai.org. That's the college website. So it stands for the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. So acaai.org has similar type information for you to learn more and understand more about your allergies. And allergists are out there. We're there to help you. The testing has gotten much better. We can do skin testing. We can do blood testing. And we can help find out what you're allergic to. And as you've heard today, we've got lots of options. So taking the steps for regular pharmacotherapy is one thing, but maybe you're a candidate to move on to say, hey, can we get your allergies even under better control long-term and hopefully prevent you from having allergies in the future? So Mr. Comerford, what would you like to share? I think I echo a lot of the same thoughts, which is, I mean, one thing that was it was kind of surprising to me as like part of, of, of my job and the work we do at ALK is we do market research with consumers and allergy sufferers and get their real insights on how they think about the d- disease or symptoms and everything. And one thing that comes back pretty clearly is that a lot of people look at it as just it's their normal. It's just what they deal with. It's part of who they are you know, concerning. So what I would say is just there are a lot of options out there. It doesn't have to be your normal. So that doesn't have to be the case. There might be other options that you haven't explored or you haven't explored for maybe your child as of yet. And immunotherapy specifically is really, we see it as very underused in the U.S. and definitely an opportunity as there are more options. You've got your traditional allergy shots and you've also got more of these at-home treatments. It's really worth taking the action and and seeing, can you change the course of your normal and a new normal with maybe less symptoms and less reliance on symptomatic medications? That is so true about the new normal. I mean, if I had a dollar every time someone would say to me, oh, it's just my allergies, pass me the tissue. And they're just suffering all the way through. Thank you, gentlemen. I know you're incredibly busy and I appreciate both of your times for coming here. We just, again, really appreciate the good work that you're both doing. And I just want to give you a very heartfelt, sincere thank you from FACT, again, for all that you do for our communities and for just helping improve the quality of life of people across our nation. So thank you so much. 
Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I would like to take a brief moment to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for sponsoring today's show. Thank you for listening to FACT's Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.